Sally Prosser, you were a corporate communication specialist uh, for a big water and sewerage company. Very uncool sounding, but now you're hanging around with all the cool kids on TikTok. That's a story <laughs> I want to hear. Yes, how do you go from glamour girl for water and sewerage to uh, king of the kids on TikTok? <laughs> well, the thing is, Julian, water and sewerage is a lot sexier than you might think. Everybody needs to go. So being an essential service, it was actually really great to work in communications there. And one of the things that's actually similar about that role to TikTok is that you needed to be really creative in thinking, all right, how do I communicate something that people generally don't like to think about? and make it exciting. So in that job, we did fun things like Australia's great backyard dunny search and Australia's first poo powered car and all that kind of thing. So I was already in the mindset of making creative content, which I've brought to TikTok. So give us the backstory, though, because you have come from traditional media, uh, which and in from a, uh, you know, part of that was a news environment, which is, in a sense, quite uncreative. Oh, in a, in a sense, but creativity is a really important thing for all journalists to have because you're telling stories and you're constantly creatively solving problems all day long. <laughs> um, it's actually interesting. One of the reasons lots of journalists are leaving the profession at the moment is because with the never-ending coronavirus and vaccine stories, a lot of journalists are feeling like they can't spread their creative wings. So that's a little bit interesting. Um, so my background, I started off as a speech and drama teacher. I ran a speech and drama studio in the front room of my parents' house. Then I went into TV or radio news reporting first. I read the news at my local radio station while I was studying journalism. Then to TV reporting. So I was in Rockhampton running the Central Queensland Channel 7 News Bureau and then back down to Brisbane. So TV and, and radio news reporting background. On the side, always helping journalists with their voice because there's not really... You don't really get voice coaching. People think that you do, but you don't really. And so I, and even now, it's one of the reasons I work with a lot of journalists because there ain't a lot of speech and drama qualified former journalists out there. So then after working in news, I did a lot, what a lot of journalists do and crossed to the dark side is what they say is when you go from journalism to public relations. And that's when I went over to Urban Utilities, which is a water and sewerage company. And I was in the communications team there, which involved a lot of speaking. And I guess through that, I really built my confidence up. And the turning point was probably when the CEO asked me to step in and MC the National Water Conference. And this was uh, at the Brisbane Entertainment Centre. It was, you know, big stage, big lights, headset, all the rest of it. And I was like, yeah, no worries, you know, rewrote the notes a bit, got up there and did it. And then at the end, she was like, wow, like you should go and do that full time. You were really good. <laughs> so I was like, did oh, you, maybe it's like, yeah. Did you have concerns and worries before you did that conference? And if you did, what were they? Well, the main worry I had was that I just got back from a flight from the UK and I was sick. So I was suffering jet lag and a very sore throat. And in some ways, when you have problems like that, it takes away the nerves because I was just thinking of, oh my gosh, am I going to be able to get through this and not have like all the pseudoephedrine I've taken have some effect on what I'm saying? <laughs> um, but as, as far as the actual performance nerves, no, I have been public speaking confidently since I was a little kid. I'm like, get me on stage, give me the microphone, where do I sign up? <laughs> 
And that's what a lot of my teaching is now is I'm critically looking at what are the strategies that I have used and that I do use in order to speak with that excitement, make videos with that excitement rather than that fear. Talk about being an introvert and an extrovert. Which are you? I'm an extrovert. Couldn't you guess, Julian? <laughs> Definitely an extrovert. But I think it's one of the great myths that being an extrovert or an introvert has anything to do with your skills as a video maker or a public speaker. The two are completely unrelated. And if you look around, a lot of the most effective speakers are introverts. Yeah, I'm a raging introvert. All my life I've been one. Spent uh, half my life hiding behind cameras, hiding behind lenses. And now by learning skills, I am so comfortable on the stage. But I'm still an introvert by, by, by nature. And what you say is true. There are way more uh, introverts out there who are in front of the camera uh, and on stage, this is in my experience, than there are uh, extroverts. And it's a big misunderstanding that the average person has. Yeah. So, okay, let's, let's talk about that, you being an extrovert, and let's link that into TikTok, because now you're driving revenue for your business through TikTok. Uh, and so uh, tell us how you're, you're, you're doing that and uh, tell us why TikTok is useful. Yeah, well, I think I was, I don't know why, I, I know I do know why I first started. It was a video by Gary V, which was like, get on LinkedIn, get on TikTok. I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom and you're not effing executing. It was something like that. And I remember thinking, oh yeah, I'll give it a try. And I hadn't been doing a lot of video content on Instagram, which is probably why my account wasn't growing as much on there. So getting on TikTok and making videos. And by the way, the first few were really terrible. I, I joined in December, 2019. And the first video didn't go viral until February 2020. And what was interesting about that first viral video is that I had just, it was the first one where I threw the camera up and just spoke to the camera and it was only in one take. I'd just finished doing a workshop and I'd come back with just a few ideas from that workshop. And I didn't even brush my eyelashes, which the good people of TikTok pointed out to me. <laughs> but I said, don't do these three things if you want to sound competent, confident and credible. And to be fair, I probably wouldn't make that video now. Since that time, I've, I'm, it, you know, looking back on it, it looks a bit negative, like rah, rah, which is not really my brand. I really feel like I want to be positive to people. However, that direct speaking to the camera about my area of expertise really connected with people. And I went from 45 followers, like the 45 people I knew on the app to more than 10,000 in more than in a week, in one week. And then it just grew and grew and grew. And what's so funny about it is that video, which was the end of February, 2020 is still getting views today. Yeah, it's interesting. I had a similar experience when I, I've got a YouTube channel. I haven't used it now for about six years or so, uh, but it got up to about 140,000 subscribers and, and 30 million wow. views. But it was the same thing. I had worked on that for maybe longer, maybe it was about two years, and it just had very, very slow growth. And then the algorithm, for whatever reason, picks you up and it's like the floodgates open. You just watch these uh, subscribers start tumbling in. But 
when I've asked a lot of other people about this as well, is that you rarely get that unless you've had that long lead time, which you had with, you know, that, you know, 12 plus months there. Mm -hmm. uh, and you need to, to put that time in. Yeah. And it's also worth noting. So I've got about four or five videos TikToks on there that have had over a million views. So it's, and I've made more than 500. At one stage, I was making three a day. Now I really just make them when I feel like it. I don't give myself that pressure. Uh, but you've got to just keep that content going, keep building that community. And you'll find that it will be really steady for a long time. And then you'll do another video that gets picked up and you'll see it spike again. How do you feel the pressure or do you feel the pressure on having to continually create content? Because it's one of the reasons that I ended up on my channel is that I had 150 videos and I felt like at that stage I had run out of really organic content. Oh, I am the content fountain. That is not my issue at all. I have more content ideas than I know what to do with. And actually what I need to work on is consolidating what I've got rather than just continually feeling the urge to make. But I um, I just love it. I love using TikTok. I love making the videos. And I, I've come to terms with the fact that, not come to terms, that's the wrong phrase. If TikTok was cancelled tomorrow or my account was disabled tomorrow, my life would continue and my business would continue. You know, I, I can't put that level of pressure on myself for that platform. It's a great platform for me. I use it well. I love the community. I love it as being a creative outlet. And a lot of the videos I put on there, uh, where's my hairbrush? I think I've got one around here, like the uh, comedy news reading. That's not really related to the services I offer in my business, but it's a lot of fun and it builds a big audience for me. And building the audience continues to build my credibility. It was funny. I was in a corporate workshop where the person who introduced me said, oh, and Sally has more than 300,000 followers on TikTok, didn't have TikTok themselves. Nobody in the room had TikTok, but everybody was like, wow. <laughs> so ironically, you're having more of an impact to people who don't have TikTok by having the following as well as the people that just come into the funnel. So your videos on TikTok are not necessarily there for lead generation. Is that what you're saying? Well, it's, it's, they kind of are because, and I do run ads as well. Sometimes I do put money behind some of my organic content when I'm launching like my six week voice makeover, I'll put money toward behind those TikToks and then have it linked through to the sales page. So that's, that works well for me. Um, or even just one of my opt-ins, uh, but just building the audience on there inevitably builds my business. So even just doing a funny comedy like I read uh, song lyrics like a newsreader and that's my most recent video to get more than a million. And that shot up my following by about another 15,000. And the more the following builds, the, the more it works, I guess, for my credibility outside of TikTok, if that makes sense. No, very much so. So mm. you, you are building that uh, reputation there. You've got those numbers behind you and, and numbers, whether you like them or not, do impress a lot of people. You're building your digital, uh, your digital footprint. You're expanding that. And this all, all plays into it. I was just surprised. I, I, I thought maybe that there was more direct lead generation, not saying rightly or yeah. wrongly. Well, Julian, there could be, I don't, I'm not capturing the data well enough because 
like I don't have a way of knowing how everybody who ends up getting one of my opt-ins, therefore into my programs, I don't know where they originally came from. Uh, so my most recent course that I ran just by a bit of a word of mouth, hey, how did you find out about me? More than half the people in the course said, oh, Sal, I originally saw you on TikTok. Do you know what I mean? So they, yeah. the, the data shows they came through a different way, but that, that original viewing, yeah, a lot of people find me originally on TikTok for sure. So what works on TikTok and what doesn't work on TikTok? Oh, you've got to experiment. You've got to experiment. I mean, people will say go with the trends, the trending music, the trending this, but I always find that the best performing TikToks are the straight to camera connection every time. And, and I'm, I'm looking at your TikTok page here now uh, just on a, a web browser uh, and I can tell you I'm just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. And nine out of 10 images uh, that I'm looking at, almost like the thumbnail, uh, what I'm looking like at you now on, on this Yes, screen. but some of them will be me lip syncing. It's actually funny, Julian, one of my most uh, viral TikToks, which I had more than a million, was me lip syncing someone. And I, I just lip synced it so well that everybody thought it was me talking, even though I'd, I'd credited the original person and somebody wrote, oh, yeah, do it in your own voice. And so I was like, okay, sure. So I did a version in my own voice, <laughs> which sounded different because the original accent wasn't even Australian. But then that video also got almost a million. So that was kind of crazy. Yeah, the point I was um, uh, angling towards there was that you need to be prepared. It seems to me when I'm looking at your TikTok channel here now, you, you need to be upfront and willing to put yourself center of frame uh, and how long are the videos because you don't have very long to make your point that's right yeah absolutely and uh, a lot of the big accounts which sell products right so i'm service-based so often that would mean i am in front of the camera i'm a coach uh, but a lot of the products their most viral videos are the founders talking to camera so it doesn't it doesn't matter whether you're a service or a product absolutely getting in front of the camera is what works and what was the second part of the question uh, the second part now it was really oh, the just time, about, the it, time. Well, it, it, to me it's about that commitment and willingness to be, it's 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 about you is the point I'm sort of getting to. It absolutely is. And uh, TikTok, you can go up to three minutes now. So they've just introduced the feature to go to three minutes. Uh, I've rarely used that, but you can. They say that you need to grab the attention within the first two and a half seconds. People will stop in two and a half seconds. So there's a whole lot of different strategies that I will try to use to get that attention. But other times I'm just answering a question and I know that I, I treat my TikTok like an album. Everything's not gonna be a number one hit, but it doesn't mean that your fans or people who wanna find the information are not gonna find value in all the videos you've got. So yeah. yeah. So I, yeah. I use TikTok uh, as a way to study. Uh, new techniques and new ways to get information across and, and to improve your clarity and to condense your, your message. I don't, uh, I, I, I have a channel, but I don't publish the videos because I'm just, I'm, I'm using it as a learning experience. Julian, you would go, you would be great on TikTok. Just put them out there and see how you go. Another thing is worth noting is a lot of people will repost a TikTok and when they repost it, it'll go viral, but the first one didn't. So there is always the luck of the algorithm as well. 
Yeah, I'm not concerned and not worried about being on. I mean, I, I would, would happily go down that path. I'm trying to uh, focus my attention uh, on LinkedIn at the moment uh, because I found, and I've, I've pulled back from um, a, a Facebook as well. Um, I mm. don't do Instagram because I just don't find that I have the reach or the energy uh, all the time to be able to do it uh, consistently uh, and effectively and authentically. Yeah, I, that's fair enough. Another point that's worth mentioning as far as business from TikTok is on your TikTok bio, you can link straight through to follow you on YouTube uh, and or Instagram. So I have both. My YouTube's a little bit neglected. It's become a bit of a dumping ground. Oh, I need to look at it. But when people like me enough to follow me and then go through to Instagram, even though I've only got about three and a half thousand on there, it's a much more engaged following and people are much more ready to buy when they're on Instagram. So in a way, the big TikTok following funnels into the Instagram and then that's where I get more of my conversions. What have you learned about clarity of message and that technique to be able to get people's attention uh, and to get across a message in a much shorter period of time? Well, like you were mentioning earlier, I think it's a really great challenge to distill your ideas. You know, like it's it's a skill to be able to distill something into a short amount of information. That's what journalists have to do all the time, especially broadcast journalists. And often even with speaking, I say it's like a good whiskey. You know, you've got to distill it three times like a good scotch, right? Um, and so it's a challenge for me when I say, okay, I want to do a TikTok about this particular topic. What's going to be my opening line? What's going to be my second line? How can I distill this bit of information into this catchy small amount of video? And it's such a good exercise for me to do because after I make the TikTok, then I've got those words there at hand, whether I'm on a podcast or on a masterclass or even with one-on-one -on -one coaching, I can use that bit of distilled information to become a better coach and to become better and clearer at my message, whether I'm on stage or on social, everywhere I show up. Yeah, it's very, very important to be able to understand something so well that you can distill it down into a very, very simple form. And it takes an amazing amount of time. I'm going through a exercise uh, myself. Now I'm doing what I call eight second video lessons. And I've done 10 of them so far. And it's can I make a video that is eight seconds long that has a context? It has at least two points of information and it has a takeaway lesson at the end. And it's really hard, but it's so satisfying at the end when you nail them. I've done 10 and I reckon six of them are pretty good. I love that idea. There's actually an app called Eight Seconds, which is like TikTok, but an eight second limit. Oh, okay. Mm. Never heard of it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's a bit of a new one, but uh, it's it's such a great challenge, isn't it? And yeah. without having, without setting yourself that challenge, when do you ever get the goal of distilling it? Yeah. Oh, and, when are you forced to distill it down? Yeah. And I think also it depends on your, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I love playing with words. You know, it's just a, a, a joy of, of mine. So to be able to take a message and play with the words and the order of, of the words and the order of a sentence, because I've worked out now that uh, an eight second video, you run between 18, on, on average, 18 and 22 words. And if you're doing 18 words, 
it's really comfortable to deliver. If you're doing 22, you're rushing through it. And it's just with four words makes a huge amount of difference. So, you know, even going in and, um, you know, getting stuck into the, you know, thesaurus and just trying to find, you know, like a, an, an, another word. And so you have the word palette and you have the rhymes. Oh, look, I'll oh, shut up. I, I could keep going. <laughs> I love this stuff. Yeah, I love it as well. And there's been some, I follow a lot of people on TikTok who teach how to make TikToks. And one creator did a bit of a survey on what are the most popular opening lines for going viral. And you talk about that power of words. That's where you can really hear like videos that start with, I don't know who needs to hear this, go viral, tend to go viral. Um, ones that say the number one thing you need to do i should get the whole list for you but what's so interesting is just a change in a word can affect whether someone's going to continue to listen or not so a recent one i did was about wearing glasses with a ring light and it hasn't, gone particularly, yeah. Yeah, it hasn't gone particularly viral so i don't know whether it's this is right but i was tossing up do i say hey glasses wearer or do i say i don't know what i went with do you wear glasses on camera yeah if you, you know, and you, and you do play around with those words and say, oh, what can I go with and what works the best? Hmm. And I've seen this not work. I've seen this work on video, but uh, in a previous life, I was a professional magician and I did 2000 magic shows. And I can tell you that after you've done about the first couple of hundred, you're, you're, you're into muscle memory if you're doing the same act over and over. And it's then you can almost divorce yourself and float above yourself on stage and watch what you're doing and think about changing one word. And it's amazing that you can change one word or add a little pause here and there. And just that can create laughter in an audience. It can create intrigue. And you would never think it possible unless you've had this opportunity to, it's almost like to have the data to be able to split test be, be, between the two. Uh, so words are powerful. Absolutely. That's uh, that's so cool. You used to be a magician. And I totally agree. Like I, I, I say to people about with public speaking or video creation, you have to create to learn what you're good at, what your audience wants. And I think that what holds people back is they'll often say, I want my first video to be perfect or it doesn't get the response. So they say, oh, well, that didn't work. You know, I, I, I can say what works on TikTok because I've literally made more than 500 of them. <laughs> you know, you just keep going. You get a bit of a sense of what works and also what you enjoy. So if you're on a platform and every time you post, you're just feeling like, oh, then maybe it's not the platform for you. Like find something that lights you up, uh, whether you get one like or 100 or 1,000. Talk about criticism that you get on TikTok because I, when I had my YouTube channel, uh, I would find I would average about 5% of dislikes and 95 up. But the interesting thing I found about the dislikes was that they came consistently uh, up, you know, within the first four to six hours. So what I, you know, in a sense, I had uh, uh, engaged a following of dislikers out there who would just sort of wait for you to try to bring you down. Now, it didn't affect me, but it's a discussion that uh, people need to hear about because even though you do get criticism out there, it really doesn't affect your life at all. Uh, if you don't get any haters, you're doing something wrong. Like, 
you're going to get people who don't like what you do. If, you, if you're making content for everybody to like it, you're in the wrong game. So I always say, you know, you could be the best, brightest, shiniest apple in the box. Some people just don't like apples. So you've got to just go out and expect it. And the first thing I think, I get a lot of hate. I had one, I had somebody on TikTok make a video, like take the video of me, put the poo emoji onto my head and call me Australia's most condescending woman. I've had people saying, your voice makes me want to shoot yourself. Uh, get off TikTok, go pick up the kids. You're too old to be dancing. Shut up. You like, I, I, Pretty bad stuff. Um, but the first thing I think is, well, they're not living their best lives. <laughs> like I'm out here living my best life, doing what I love every day. And people who are saying that are not. And so I feel sorry for them. I turn it around. If it's quite a funny, mean comment, I will make a TikTok where I read it like a newsreader. I'm not sure if you've seen that. So it's like, no. you know, uh, good morning. Uh, good morning. I'm Sally Prosser. Uh, your voice reminds me of a condescending Karen. Oh, my God, I can't unhear it. Shut up. And I just read it like a newsreader. And then I create another TikTok out of it. Um, and then I also do a thing where if I get negative energy coming in, I make sure that I do a, a hype bomb. So what a hype bomb is, it's a word I made up, is that I will go onto any platform and give likes and encouraging comments to about 10 different posts I see. So it's like that one negative comment has straight away been outdone by all the positivity I'm about to spread on the internet. Have you ever been hurt on TikTok to the point where you think it's not worth it? No, I mean, I'm I'm quite lucky, I guess, just being about voice and positivity. I don't get anything too bad. I also work with lots of journalists and lots of journalists on a day-to-day -day basis will be getting rape threats, will be getting hate mail, will be getting comments that make them fear for their own safety. And it's so terrible. Uh, and fortunately, I have not had to face anything that bad and while i say oh just brush it off don't worry about it i'm also 100 percent in favor of laws changing to find these people accountable to stop the nameless faceless trolls treating people like that yeah so, it is yeah. A yeah i mean look i mean it very much is a reality that's 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 a great connection back to journalists facing this on a day-to-day -day basis um, i've spoken mm. about this before and it's about it it being being on video uh, is there's four levels of identity and the the uh, sorry I mean four levels of commitment and the first level of commitment is money so if you you know wanted to do something I'll pay the money and then the next level is time because you can pay the money but you've got to put the time in to make it worthy. Now, the next level is effort because you can put the money in, you can put the time, uh, but you've got to put the effort in. And this is where, where we get to video, and this is where most people stop with the commitment because the top level of commitment is identity. It's where you're willing to put your yourself, your reputation, your name, what you think on the line. Uh, and when I watch uh, you on TikTok, I mean, you very much are doing that consistently over those hundreds and hundreds of, of videos. You're putting yourself out there physically. You're putting um, um, your thoughts uh, out there. Uh, so TikTok, it seems to me, would you 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 would have to be a certain sort of of person. And I'm guess guessing more towards the extrovert. Um, um, lo um, side of the scale yeah i don't know if it's to do with extroversion or introversion i think it's to do with uh self-love self-love and self-awareness so over the last three years especially 
well, I also have been a journalist and have been used to the door being slammed in my face and the phone being slammed down. So I guess you develop a sense of thick skinnedness <laughs> with um with that. Uh, and then also, I guess, being the front line at a water and sewerage company where people hate paying their water bills, you know, I guess sort of just get used to it. But above all of that is been I spend a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of effort on personal development. Right now I have four coaches. <laughs> I am constantly learning about myself. Uh, when I'm triggered by something, I go, oh, that's interesting. Why is that? Where is that coming from? And I find by doing so much work on myself and having a lot of self-love practices, like every morning I look in the mirror, I'm so glad I'm you. You and me, girl, we've got this today. <laughs> you know, I spend so much time radically loving myself and being secure in who I am and what matters in my life that I think it, I feel bad not sharing my message with the world, not putting myself out there. It's honestly what I believe I've been put here to do. I am living my purpose by putting my video content out there. It becomes a joy. It's, it's a service to myself and to others. And the more that I show up as myself on camera, the more the right clients come to me. I don't have to do as much work in the background getting, oh, this client is not a good fit because the more I'm myself out there, it's just like a lighthouse. You attract great people into the business and the cycle continues. <laughs> what would you say to people who were in your previous profession of uh, professional communicators who work in large organizations and you know you feel like you're boxed in by the constraints of the organization um you know uh, that you can't go outside the brand and, and what you can say mm -hmm. because i speak to a lot of people like that and they go look i love what you're doing but we can't do video like that how how, how could people start to make the transition i'm not saying to to leaving their business but using authentic video more effectively with inside the constraints of an organization yeah, I had this question at an event last night. Uh, I would say you need to challenge what you can and can't do in an organization. Telstra is doing some fantastic things on TikTok where they are like going on random videos about like something else with a mobile phone going, oh, no, nah, I should have called us, like making really funny, engaging comments. And we have this perception that in order to be professional, we have to be straight, never have any fun, never show we're a real person, never stray from the company values. And it's just, it's just fake. We don't, people want to be with real people. You can absolutely be fun and fresh and funny and creative. And you know what I mean? Like, I think that it's about challenging those beliefs and i've had this myself you know i am a, a highly qualified specialized media trainer keynote speaker coach and people would say to me oh well you're there with the hairbrush who's going to take you seriously so what i do a bit of hairbrush comedy so therefore you want somebody not to be funny at all in order to be professional you've got to look at your, your own definitions of things and if your company is really boxing you into that extent and you feel like you can't be creative and do what you want, that could be a little sign that maybe it's not the organization for you. Yeah, yeah. So Sally, where do you see video going for, for business? Oh, I think that it's a, it's a must. A vid video is a must. I think that people more and more want to see from you, they want to hear from you. 
there's so much content out there in the world. People's BS radar is very good. <laughs> People have a really good BS radar to the point where they're starting to see, oh, I, I, oh, let's think about um, Facebook in the beginning. In the beginning, you didn't know what was a post and what was an ad, let's say. But now we're very good at knowing when are we being advertised to? When are we being sold to? When are we seeing something real? So, and there's also that more desire to work with businesses that have real people that we can connect with, you know, people buy from people. And on a video, you can really detect whether someone's faking it or not. Yeah. And so the more you, you do it and show up, the more people are going to like you, know you, trust you and buy from you. Yeah, it's a, a phrase I use is that authenticity is non-negotiable. And there's this idea that you know, professional video makers, you know, typically if you outsource a video to an outside production company, they go, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll make it authentically. We'll make it an authentic sort of video. And I go, well, you, you, you can't. It's either authentic or it's not. It's like being pregnant. You know, you can't be a little bit pregnant. Can't be a little bit authentic. And it's very, very... Uh, You've got to be very careful with it because your reputation online is one of your most valuable currencies. Uh, and it's exactly what you were saying. You know, people are very good at, you know, getting a whiff of something's a little bit off. Uh, and if you try to make an authentic video that's been manufactured, it just doesn't work. And, and we all know it when we see it. How to actually describe it and put a label on it, it's hard, but we all know it when we see it. Yeah, for sure. And it's worth knowing as well that you be become more natural in front of the camera by making it more familiar. Like you and I are very familiar with being on camera because we do it all the time. And when you film your very first video, you are going to look a bit stiff. Your voice is going to change. You are going to look back and go, oh, God, it's really awful. But you just get more comfortable by doing and this is why I'm sure you would recommend lots of the same things. Just throw your phone up and experiment. Just make the content and make it a more familiar place to be. So you think about a new city. It takes you a little bit of a time to, like, get your bearings, know your way around, and then you know your way around and you're comfortable. I think video is exactly the same. You've got to get your bearings, find your way around, and then when you get comfortable, that true authenticity will come through. Yeah, very much so. And it's also that in my own personal experiences was that the fears that I had in my head, the things people were going to say to me, you know, the, the damage to my career and my reputation and my status never happened. None of it ever happened. It was just a story that I had told myself. And, you mm. know, when, when you jump in, the, one of the biggest things that I've found is that you actually have to get over your own conceit that you think you're actually more important than, than you are. You think there are going to be people out there <laughs> watching and waiting for you to slip up when the truth is just getting someone to actually watch and listen to you is way, way harder. Absolutely. And I've had way more failures in my time and I've had way more video flops than I've had successes, but people kind of, people don't see that. And you've got to always question yourself, like how much do you really care about strangers on the internet? And even if it's friends and family, like how much do you really care? It can be challenging, I understand. And I feel like I've been a bit validated by already having the following, but I didn't have that in the beginning. There was always that starting point. 
and I had to find my feet and find what worked for me. There's some videos that you can see on YouTube where you will not recognize me only from a couple of years ago. They're, they're so stiff and so just, they're just different and that's okay. It's okay to ch change. We should, we should change. And that's why it goes back to just always looking into yourself and saying, am I making the content that sits right with me? Am I creating what I want to create? Which is why, for example, a corporate video can be hard for people because you're just standing, you know, you're saying words that aren't even necessarily yours. And this is why with corporate videos, one of the worst things I find people do is script it. <laughs> you know, as soon as it gets scripted, it just loses that connection. And the problem there, of course, is that you've got so many other um, um, elements within that corporate chain who want to script it. You have legal who want to script it. You know, you want, you know, uh, communications who want to stay on message. And so it, it is very, very difficult. But you make a very, very mm -hmm. valid point there is that you should look at that script before you read it and, uh, at, you know, work with the team and rewrite it in your own um, vernacular. Yeah, our, our one of our most famous viral videos when I was at Urban Utilities was a sewage treatment plant worker, Damo, great guy, who just had the microphone on and was walking around and just showing us, saying this is what happens when people, uh, he, I don't even think he knew we were filming, but he was just telling us about the problem with people flushing the wrong thing down the toilet. And he went into this thing where he said, you know, I feel like I'm really proud of being an Australian and I'm really proud of the environment we have. And I think I play a really important role in protecting this environment. Like just, it was just the, I wouldn't have even known how to ask a question to get the response we got. And it was so genuine and so real. It's no wonder that it, it went more viral than any of the corporate scripted ones that we did. And that's probably a hack you've used many times as well. And I used to use it in the previous TV career was that if you were with somebody, you would ask them, could you just uh, give us a walk around and show us what you're going to tell us, but roll, yeah, <laughs> roll on that because that is going to be the magic take. Yeah, it is. Because as soon as you're sitting down in front of a camera and you've got the lights and you've got the, 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 quest, the, in, the questioner, the, the journalist, you're straight away put into that unfamiliar environment. And then that is, it's very hard to be, I guess, real and speak from the heart when you're freaking out, which is totally normal. Again, it comes down to familiarity. Yeah, it comes down to familiarity. And I also think it comes down to we've come out of this schooling system, which is binary, which you have a right answer and a wrong answer. And if yeah. you don't get the right answer, the school system reprocesses you until you get the right mm -hmm. answers and then they spit you out. And, and then they go, um, good, good luck with the rest of your life. And so you just take this thinking that, you know, oh, if someone's asking me something, I've got to, it's either right or wrong. And I found that very much when people sit in, in front of a camera, that, that takes over. Oh, Julian, you're so right. It's the most common thing that I hear. I'm sure you'd hear it as well is I'm worried I'll say the wrong thing. And I straight away say, well, what, what is the wrong thing? What is the right thing? It's just these stories you've made up in our head of what is right and wrong. Yeah, and you start to so. realise that it's from that schooling as well, public speaking, a lot of people's first memory of public speaking is standing up in front of a class being marked by a teacher. <laughs> so, of course, you're going to have these feelings but being something that you're straight away going to be judged on. It's a great point. I had never considered that about public speaking, about that being the first experience. Yeah. So for me, I have great memories of standing up at family Christmases, making 
my family listened to speeches and all the rest of it. And I really think that that's why I've ended up in the profession I have is because I was constantly told as a child, gee, you're a good speaker, Sal, you love being on stage, you're so confident. And just that constant reaffirming and, and confidence building has made me feel confident about it now. And that's why it breaks my heart. I see so many adults, well, you know, most of my clients who have these fears and these doubts and these insecurities that really stem from how they were spoken to as a child. So that's great for people watching right now because you literally have a binary on the screen here. You have you, which is, you know, spent your life uh, in front of people and refining that process. And you have me on this side of the screen who spent most of my life hiding from anything like that. So there you go. It doesn't matter um, which mold that you come out of, uh, you can end up, uh, you know, being comfortably on camera. 100%. So, Sally, if people want to work with you, where can they catch you? Well, I'm not an international woman of mystery. You can find me on pretty much any of the platforms, and I'm active on all of them. So LinkedIn, Sally Prosser. I'm at Sally Prosser Voice on TikTok, on Instagram and Facebook, Sally underscore Prosser on Twitter, and, of course, there's my website as well, which is sallyprosser.com.au. Don't forget the AU. Hey, Sally, it's been a blast. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much.